Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Locked On Big Ten Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. It is Monday, March 23rd, and I hope you enjoyed your weekend. I hope you were able to stay safe, stay healthy, practice social distancing to the best of your ability to hopefully end this global pandemic and get back to the world of sports that we want so badly, but we have to do that by being safe and taking care of ourselves. Also, if you notice this weekend, Devoid of sports we are, but much like this podcast started last week, the world of sports in general, whether it be CBS, ESPN, Fox, whatever it may be, they're rebroadcasting classic games, especially during this time of the year, from the NCAA tournament. Even on Sunday, CBS re-showing the 2016 national title game between North Carolina and Villanova, a classic. Jenkins for the championship! Got it! Jim Nance, what an absolutely outstanding call, one of my favorites of all time. Saturday night, you had the 92 national title game, the famous Christian Leitner shot between Duke and Kentucky. People following suit along the lines of the Locked On Big Ten podcast. I'm not here to say that we're innovators. I'm not here to say that what we do here on the Locked On Podcast Network, a part of this great family, what I am doing here on the Locked On Big Ten show, a family that you are a part of, if you are one of the faithful listeners that I adore so much, I'm not saying we started a movement, but maybe we started a freaking movement. And that's pretty cool. It's cool also just for sports fans in general that they get these opportunities to rewatch some of the classic games, some of the classic moments that have made your lives as sports fans. It is Great for filling the void that we feel in our hearts right now. We're not talking about the round of 32 NCAA tournament. There was a few times this weekend that I'm thinking to myself, wow, this would have been like hour five of me watching March Madness on my couch with some wings, a couple beers, enjoying this. Instead, I was watching Law & Order SVU. I had never watched that show prior to this weekend. I pretty much spent my previous 48 hours from Friday afternoon until Sunday evening catching up on everything I've missed, Law & Order SVU, one of the greatest shows in television history. That's my summation about how I feel about everything now, but it was because we didn't have the NCAA tournament, and there was a few times that little sad memory crept into my mind. But here we are, a new week, a fresh start, and we will get back to the rewatch series here on the Locked On Big Ten podcast, where we are looking at some classic Big Ten teams playing in the NCAA tournament of the past five, six years or so. Here is the game we are going to be talking about today, a classic from 2017 because it was historic for one of the great institutions of the Big Ten Conference. It was for Northwestern. Northwestern winning their first ever NCAA tournament game in program history in the round of 64 back in 2017. They took on Vanderbilt. The Wildcats were the eight seed. The Commodores, the Doors, one of the cooler nicknames in all of sports, if you ask me, were the nine seed. So as we do here on the Rewatch series, we have our five categories. The scene setting, early impressions, dude of the game, point of no return, not the turning point, the point of no return, and the sneaky performance of the game. So let's get it underway with the scene setting for the 8-9 matchup in the West region, Salt Lake City, Utah, from the 2017 NCAA tournament bracket. So as I mentioned, Northwestern looking for their first ever win in the big dance Vanderbilt had made it as the nine seed out of the SEC after going 19 and 15 through their conference tournament. They had the number one 
strength of schedule in non-conference play, the hardest strength of schedule in the entire country in non-conference action, and they had just won 11 of their last 15 games heading into March Madness. So a great matchup in the 8-9 game. Again, Northwestern the 8 seed, Vanderbilt the 9 seed. So let's get on with the action. Northwestern led for most of the first half, only a few seconds that Vandy led, but Northwestern had a 34-27 lead at the halftime break. Then they came out of the halftime locker room playing very well. They upped their lead to about 15 with just under 14 minutes left in the game. But Vandy then came back, cut it down to two with about five minutes left. Then we get to the good stuff, the final minute and a half. We went back and forth, back and forth. It was incredibly entertaining basketball. Northwestern was up one, a minute 30 left. Vandy's Riley Lachance, what a great name, has a chance to put Vanderbilt ahead, and he does that by hitting a three. So they go up by one. But the very next possession, Bryant McIntosh of Northwestern comes back, answers with a jumper of his own. Then we go Vandy answering. Then Northwestern answers. Then 20 seconds left, and here's where it got really good. Lachance goes back through the right lane, puts Vandy up one more time, 65-64 with about 15 seconds left. So Northwestern down one. They inbound the ball quickly to Bryant McIntosh, who then is, what happened? You're watching this. You're like, what? I'm rewatching this. I'm like, what? So as soon as McIntosh gets the inbounds pass, he is fouled by Matthew Fisher Davis of Vandy. Don't forget, Northwestern is down here by one. 65-64, the Cats trail. They get the ball in with under 15 seconds left, and Matthew Fisher Davis commits an incredibly boneheaded play. You could tell he was confused, an absolute atrocity that let everybody in the stadium watching on the broadcast crew, whoever it was, left them absolutely astounded that he would commit this foul. He does foul McIntosh regardless, though, and Brian McIntosh, one of Northwestern's key players on this team and throughout his career in Evanston, walks to the line, drills both free throws, Northwestern holds on. They get their first ever win in the big dance. The first win in Northwestern program history in the NCAA tournament. The Cats win 68-66. So now on to Ben's early impressions. My overarching impression that wasn't necessarily early was just forgetting about how good of a game this was. I obviously remember the storyline of Northwestern getting their first ever win in the big dance, but I kind of forgot how the game went about, how it ended, how crazy it was that final minute and a half, those final 90 seconds going back and forth and back and forth, each team exchanging blows, answering the other when they went ahead. A really just great game overall. That was my overarching impression. Now to focus on the early impressions. My first early impression, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Holy crap, the broadcast showed her a lot. Obviously, her son, Charlie Hall, was a member of Northwestern's basketball team. And Julia, also an alum of Northwestern, was featured so many times, so many cutaway shots. It felt like every two minutes they went to the very critically acclaimed actress in the stands with her husband watching the game. It was like, oh, my God, just every freaking minute they showed her reaction. Charlie, no offense to him, didn't really play a whole lot. But anytime anybody on Northwestern did or said anything, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Try to say that five times fast. I don't know if you could. Let's try it. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Mm, unique New York. I don't know. Anyway, they showed her so many times during the broadcast from start to finish. And they also showed Doug Collins a whole lot. Obviously, Doug, the father of Northwestern's head coach, Chris Collins. Doug, a longtime coach in the NBA and analyst for ESPN as well. So, a lot of cameos. It was like watching a game at Staples Center on a Friday night in Hollywood when the Lakers have all their celebrities out there. 
But for this Northwestern game, it was Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Doug Collins. My second early impression was the fact that I was just watching. I'm like, wow, these are just really smart kids, both Vanderbilt and Northwestern, two very highly acclaimed academic institutions. And pretty much any time anybody had the ball, I was like, wow, that kid's probably smarter than me. Yeah, that kid's probably smarter than me. Oh, they inbounded to that kid? Oh, he's probably smarter than me. A sub off the bench? He's definitely smarter than me. I just kept thinking, smart kid, smart kid, smart kid, smart kid. And sure enough, all those kids on both those teams, yeah, very, very smart. All right, so let's take a little break here. We'll get down to more of our breakdown of this game between Northwestern and Vanderbilt as part of our rewatch series after a few messages from some of our very good friends, our very good sponsors. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So now time for my three favorite categories where we really get into the breakdown of the game, the nitty gritty of what decided Northwestern's first ever win in the NCAA tournament. Again, Wildcats victorious 68-66 over Vanderbilt back in the first round of the 2017 NCAA tournament. So now the dude of the game, your MVP, your star. For me, it was pretty simple. It was Northwestern's Bryant McIntosh. Led all scores with 25 points, shot 63% from the field, three of five from behind the arc. He scored or assisted on eight of Northwestern's first 14 field goals in the first half. He was absolutely everywhere for the Wildcats. You could tell whether it was getting his shot off in good positions, obviously knocking down some big threes, or just setting up his teammates in good positions. It's why Northwestern led by seven at the break. It's why they upped their lead to as many as 15. Bryant McIntosh was all over the floor. And this is probably even more so why he's the dude of the game, because he had that clutch gene, that rarefied air that only a few certain athletes can rise to in the biggest moments, that it's hard to diagnose and it's hard to recognize. You need a 23 and me for it. But Brian McIntosh had that clutch gene back in 2017 against Vanderbilt. He answered after Vandy came back and took the lead 62-61, their first lead in a very, very long time since early on in the first half. And then he came right back with a jumper stone cold of his own about 15 seconds later, a minute 15 left in the game, put Northwestern back ahead. And then, of course, obviously taking advantage of the dumb foul from Matthew Fisher-Davis, but still, you're down one in the NCAA tournament, your first time ever. You know history on the line for your program, for your team, for the guys that you train so hard with. At every moment, he steps up to the line, and he needs to hit two huge free throws, and he does just that to seal the win for Northwestern. So Brian McIntosh, my dude of the game, now a dude on Chris Collins' coaching staff with the Northwestern Wildcats, hopefully turning things around for Northwestern when we get to the 2020 2021 NCAA basketball season that, you know, it's still tough to think about that, that we have so long until we get to see basketball again. We might have sports back hopefully sooner rather than later, but to think that we're now just on to 2021 for our basketball, for our college basketball in the big 10, still hard to wrap your mind around, but Bryant McIntosh, the dude of the game, a game high 25 points in Northwestern's first ever win in the NCAA tournament. 
So now we move on to the point of no return. No, 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 not the turning point. Never would do something as dumb as the turning point. This is the point of no return. And in this game, it was pretty stinking obvious. It was Matthew Fisher Davis with about 15 seconds left fouling Bryant McIntosh when the Commodores had a 65-64 one-point lead looking to close out the game. Matthew Fisher Davis on the inbound of Bryant McIntosh just quickly fouls him in the backcourt as he's trying to dribble up. There was no guarantee Northwestern was going to make a shot. They had to go quickly. They had to move the ball up the court. It was obviously in the hands of McIntosh. Matthew Fisher Davis fouls him in the backcourt. Everybody is just dumbfounded, including Matthew Fisher Davis, who said afterward, obviously, kind of felt for the guy because when somebody makes that dumb of a mistake, you're just like, oh. It wasn't like he was closing out hard on a three and you know, accidentally clipped the guy on his way through on the closeout. This was just a blatant, blatant mistake and a very, very bad one that ended up costing his team the game. So obviously it is the point of no return a few years later in some random kids locked on Big Ten rewatch series. Anyway, I digress. Matthew Fisher Davis said after the game he was confused. He didn't realize that Vandy was ahead. He wasn't exactly sure what the score was. And as he is guarding McIntosh, you can see him look at his head coach, Bryce Drew, who is pointing at Bryant McIntosh, telling Matthew Fisher Davis, this is your man. Stay with him. This is your man. But for whatever reason, Fisher Davis is thinking, is he telling me to foul here? He must be. So he grabs him, sending McIntosh to the line to make those two go-ahead free throws. And Northwestern obviously holds on to win the game. So it was really kind of crazy to see because as soon as it happened, I had forgot that was how Northwestern ended up winning the game. And as you see that, you're like, what? What are you doing? Why? Why would you ever do that? Why would you ever be so dumb? And you can see the expression immediately of regret on Matthew Fisher Davis's face. And then the entire stadium pretty much is just left in disbelief. Bryce Drew just turns his head and walks back to his end of the bench. They cut away to the Commodore teammates who are sitting there on the bench just like, oh, my God. I can't believe Matthew Fisher Davis did that. And Matthew Fisher Davis is no scrub. He was one of Vandy's best players in their back-to-back trips to the NCAA tournament throughout his career in Vanderbilt. He also was the team's leading scorer on that day. He put up 22 points against Northwestern. So without him, they're not even in that situation. And I know that's easy to say, and it's probably a mistake that he still looks back on and regrets, no doubt about it. So it wasn't like this was some walk-on on the end of the bench who just made an absolutely idiotic play. This is Vanderbilt's best player, just making a mistake that you can't make in that moment. And obviously, he owned up to it and realized what he did was wrong and was confused and just kind of admitted his mistake, which, hey, as I say on this show, the only mistake is the one you don't learn from. And I'm sure in that situation, Matthew Fisher Davis will never foul when his team is up one again. So, hey. You know, that's just kind of how it goes. It also left me with the memory of the famed now meme, gif, whatever, of LeBron on the Cavs in his final season there when J.R. Smith gets the rebound with like under five seconds left in game one of the 2018 NBA Finals and dribbles out the clock when the two teams are tied and J.R. Smith could have gone back up with it or passed it out to somebody to try to not get into overtime. And LeBron has his hands out and just like, what are you doing? That's what it kind of reminded me of when Matthew Fisher Davis fouled Bryant McIntosh. So anyway. That dumb mistake from Matthew Fisher Davis. And I feel bad saying dumb because I, you know, it's like beating a dead horse. Like, I, you know that Fisher Davis felt terrible and immediately regretted it. So it's like, damn, you know, it's kind of tough to keep reminding the kid. Not that I don't think he probably listens to this podcast, but it's still kind of tough reminding the kid about, wow, this was a huge monumental mistake at this huge crucial juncture of your senior year. Regardless, 
still pretty tough for him, but he earns the point of no return as a part of our rewatch series for Northwestern and Vandy. All right, so let's finish up this rewatch of Northwestern and Vanderbilt. The Wildcats winning a great dramatic ending to secure their first ever win in program history in the NCAA tournament. Northwestern winning 68-66 over Vanderbilt. Let's finish off our fifth and final category of this rewatch with our sneaky performer of the game, and it goes to Derek Pardon. The big man for Northwestern ended the game with a double-double, as he did a lot that year, filling it up in both points and rebound categories, 14 points, 11 boards. And let's break down this performance even more because Derek Pardon for Northwestern came up clutch multiple, multiple times down the stretch for the Wildcats in a position that he probably wasn't all that known for heading into the game. He had four offensive rebounds, and he also went six of six from the charity stripe in the final four and a half minutes of regulation. That is huge. When your center, your big man, can step up and knock down six straight free throws that secure a win for your team. Four offensive rebounds, six of eight overall, but six of six from the free throw line in the final four and a half minutes. None of those more important in both categories, an offensive rebound and two made free throws, than in the final 30 seconds, Brian McIntosh with Northwestern down one, drives the lane, goes up for the layup, doesn't get it. Derek Pardon works his way for the offensive board, goes back up with it, gets fouled. So you get the one huge offensive rebound to give his team another possession. And then he goes to the free throw line and knocks down both free throws to put Northwestern up once again. Vanderbilt would come back and answer and take the lead thanks to the chance on a, on a layup that put Vandy up, and then they obviously needed the free throws from McIntosh to win the game. But Derek Pardon's effort late in that game is why he is the sneaky performer of the game because a huge clutch offensive rebound and then followed that up with two huge made free throws. Kept Northwestern in it, was part of that miraculous final minute and a half that went back and forth and back and forth. If he doesn't obviously do that and Vandy is able to secure the rebound off the miss from McIntosh, they can hold on to it. They get fouled. They can go to the free throw line, knock down. They're up now three. I mean, it's a completely different game. Derek Pardon, who was working all day long on the boards, comes up with a huge offensive rebound and then makes the free throws and gets Northwestern a huge reason that he got Northwestern their first ever program win in the NCAA tournament. So obviously that was huge. Obviously that is a reason, it is a part of our rewatch series because we are about history here on the Locked On Big Ten show. And if you make history in the recent five years, you're going to be included on this great NCAA tournament rewatch series. Northwestern getting their first ever win in program history in the NCAA tournament. Absolutely had to be a part of the rewatch series. And it was a great game nonetheless. Back and forth down the stretch in the final 90 seconds. Of course, again, Northwestern wins 68-66. So that will do it for this version of the rewatch series. We will continue on, again, hopefully bringing in some guests, hopefully reaching out to some Big Ten members that can come on and be a part of this team. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what you have to say about this rewatch series. Connect with me at Ben Scott Stevens. That's my personal Twitter account or the Twitter account of this great show, at Locked on Big Ten. We want to hear from you. We want your voices heard in this rewatch series. Also, 
I've got some good news for you in these trying times. As you are safely practicing your social distancing and staying at home as you should, but you also want to support a lot of your local businesses and restaurants that are going through incredibly difficult times during this time, you can still order delivery. You can do it contactless. They can drop it off right at your door. You don't even need to come into any contact with anybody. Ergo contactless. And the Locked On Podcast family has a great deal for you with Postmates. When you download the Postmates app and use code LOCKEDONMBA, that's code LOCKEDONMBA, for a limited time, Postmates will give you, our listeners, $100 of free restaurant delivery credit for your first seven days. So again, download the Postmates app, use that contactless delivery, use the code LOCKEDONMBA, and you get $100 of free restaurant delivery for your first seven days. Shout out Postmates for doing that during these difficult times. Take advantage of that. Support your local businesses so that when this is all over and we emerge victorious out of this pandemic, you can still have those great local businesses in your neighborhood. Thank you to Postmates, and thank you to you guys for listening to the Locked On Big Ten podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network. If you're enjoying what you hear on this podcast and want to hear more, go to the other conference shows that we have. Now tell your smart device to play Locked On SEC, and it will do just that. Until we talk tomorrow, have a splendid Monday. <laughs>